And now, it's time for the Tech EU Drive at 5 with Robin Bouters and Dan Taylor. Let's do this. All right, all right, you found it. This is the Tech EU Drive at 5. I am not your host, Dan Taylor, but we most definitely are the waffles you are looking for. That was amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out of a job. That stunning intro was by Mr. Nick Stevens. He's right. We are the waffles you're looking for. And I think he has something to add. Meow, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a week of networking over Belgian fries drenched in mayonnaise, which must mean that this episode number 34 is the one Robin has been looking forward to because finally nobody is going to be asking, hey, Robin, when is the Techie You Summit again? Right, Dan? It was on on the 24th of May, 2024. (laughs) Thank Thank you you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll tell you what, I'm taking a week off. Nick, you're hosting. That was awesome, man. I mean, if you want to take us right into Robin. Hey, Robin, how was your week? Ah, nothing much going on. Just relaxed a bit. Kept it quiet. Uh, No, we had a Tech EU Summit on 24 May in Brussels Expo. Uh, Thank you for asking. We haven't picked a date for next year yet or or how we do it, but uh, yeah, we still need to pick the date. Well, how how was it for you, Robin? I mean, uh, I I can see you on camera. You look exhausted. You look like you worked the net and the net worked you. Yeah, I'm a little bit tired. (laughs) Uh, That's the (laughs) understatement of the week. Um, But yeah, it's super, super grateful for everyone that that came to the event, the speakers, uh, the attendees, but also all the sponsors, the partners, the journalists, the volunteers that helped us. Of course, the team, you guys and everyone else uh, that helped put the event together. Um, Who am I forgetting? The the photographers, the AV team, everyone who got involved to make this such a big success for the second edition. So the bartenders. The bartenders, thank you. Well, yeah. they were slinging they were slinging beers faster than I've ever seen. So yeah. great, great Belgian Belgian uh, habit. All right. Well, on, on that note, then I guess we're going to give Robin a bit of a week off because he's he's had a bit of uh, <laughs> nine months uh, of doing this. So, Kate, let's let's shift on over to one. I'll tell you oh. what. This was a panel I wished I had had time for. I think we were on stage at the same time. Uh, yeah, but what? Nuke Tech. The nuclears. Yeah. Tell me about the nuclears. What happened? Oh, gosh, this is such an interesting area of tech. Even if you don't completely understand the, um, you know, how it all works, like you know, the the scientific aspect of it, I think as a trend and as you know, something a, a type of tech that's actually wanting to solve this really big problem of climate change is really interesting. So we had this panel. Um, there was Heike Freund from Marvel Fusion and also Matu who is a partner at Nuketech. And basically, um, Marvel Fusion, they're focused on fusion energy, so ways to do sort of small reactors that are sustainable at a local level, things like that. And Nuketech is an investment company who are really focusing on how do we do nuclear sustainably, safely, responsibly. So really facilitating funding in tech in those areas. so, I mean, obviously, climate change was the underpinning here. The fact that we don't have enough sustainable energy to be able to compensate for the amount of energy we use. So, obviously, nuclear is a way to, to solve this with low waste emissions, um, low land use and so forth. Um, and one thing I really liked about it was um, the Marble Fusion, one of, their, one of their sort of ideas is about the idea that you can place these small reactors on site, so on, on industrial settings, um, where you know you can actually use that as most of their um, their energy use. That's pretty cool. Secondly, um, it's also 
uh, a way to facilitate things like water desalination, which I did not know. And I had, I think, five people come up to me and say, hey, did you know that? I didn't know that. That's amazing. So that's something we'll certainly dig into for a follow-up article. I think that's a really good one. But, yeah, I mean, the, the one topic that kind of came up in, throughout the day is how does Europe stack up in terms of investment and all that sort of stuff compared to elsewhere. Um, when, when you talk nuclear, it's a pretty big difference. Uh, basically, the US has a 100 times the funding pretty much to, the, to, to Europe. So it's a massive, wow. massive difference. Yeah, it's pretty staggering. And one of the reasons for that is because they have nuclear energy as one of their kind of, um, I don't know, it's it's in their policies, it's in their plans for the future, it's in their sort of future of renewables. So once you've got that kind of effectively legislative level, you can embed this in. Whereas in, in, in Europe, we don't really have that so much. Um, but it's coming, I guess. But one thing that, you know, people were saying was we are at risk if we don't invest in being sort of stuck in between the US and China when it comes to renewables, which is not not a not a not a nice thought. But there's also a whole deluge of um startups in this area. So while most of the money at the moment is going to the US, um, in terms of startups, I think Machu was saying he gets something like five or six pitches a week. So there's obviously a lot happening in that space. So very cool. Um, I'd encourage you to check it out. I will do some more writing about it in the near future because I think it's really interesting and it's kind of cool to see some kind of solution-focused climate change stuff. And kudos to you for doing that with a cat passing in front of your microphone. I counted three <laughs> times about doing that. <laughs> talk about that. She's gone now. We love, we love yeah. cats right here. Right, Meow? Yeah, she's very participatory at the moment. I don't know. Aged cats. You also talked to Bobby Healy, who we've heard so much yeah. about. I mean, Fiona, it's, I don't understand how Fiona didn't get to Bob. Well, actually, I do. If Fiona and Bobby had been on the stage together, it would have been a four-hour panel. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> we actually a did a great interview. Um, we actually did a great interview, which I'll write up next week or the week after, on the Irish ecosystem. So there you go. Excellent. Very good. I'm, I'm here to learn about the Irish ecosystem because I don't know that much, to be honest. But one thing I did learn when I was like, really, was Mana Drones, they do like, you know, three-minute drone delivery of small goods um, up to a weight of, I think it's 25 kilos. Their most delivered product is coffee. I could not believe that. I was thinking it must be like, you know, um, I don't know, Medical a phone supplies, charger. Right. Alcohol. Well, alcohol. Ice or cream. Um, maybe condoms. But coffee. <laughs> Wow. I've never wondered wait, that. Wait, how does that go down? Hang on, baby. Wait a second. Wait a second. Let me call Mana. Get the yeah, air dropped. I need 25 <laughs> I kilos of condoms. I don't know what the kids are like these days. The kids. Yeah. The kids. You know. All right. Well, speaking of meat, mm. speaking of meat, you also oh, no. talk about Dutch <laughs> company so Meatable. Is that right? Meatable, yes. I mean, these are one of those cell-grown companies where cell-grown meat and they're, you know, using cells to make a meat product or highly cultivated meat is another word, cell-cultivated, um, so forth. And their focus is actually sausages, pork sausages. And what they've been able to do is accelerate their tech. So these high-tech high kind of stuff, they've gone from pro uh, a cultivating process that would take three weeks to a mere eight days. And the reason this is such a big deal is the biggest problem in this cell grain meat space has been scale at, at you know at, at efficiency, cost and efficiency. And if you if you remember the first kind of one of these 
Meat Products, which is a burger that came out in 2013 and was uh, uh, served at a conference in London. And it was estimated to cost about 330000 in, in dollars for this single burger. And Sergey Brin from the founder of Google was actually the person who paid for it. So he funded the experiment. And we've gone a long way since then. Since then, uh, Singapore, you can commercially sell meat since 2020. Um, Happening in the US, there's been sort of the final hurdles last year passed by the FDA. So this is something that I think is going to be, you know, in the next few years, if the um, the regulations keep up, and I'll be interested to see how it goes in Europe. Will it be sort of country by country or something else? Um, I think we can expect a lot of momentum here. Nick and I went out for burgers in Brussels, but I don't mm. think either one of them cost three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Is that right, Nick? No. Or, or it was like two ninety nine, right? It's a real commitment for not going. You know, you know one th- one thing. One thing I do think about it when I was thinking about that three hundred and thirty thousand was it's a real commitment to not go vegetarian. You know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what kind of condiments do you put on a three hundred and thirty thousand dollar burger? Yeah, like, are you like the outlier that says no? I will not eat that bean burger. I, I must have something meaty. <laughs> That is a commitment. That is a commitment. Well, thanks for that, Kate. I I thought you were awesome on stage. I really enjoyed your panels. Great job. Thank you. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking some seriously nerdy stuff. I mean, Kate, I know you get into nerdy stuff, but I I went deep nerdy. And by deep nerdy, I mean space tech and quantum. Uh, Space tech, I I have a confession to make. Before heading off to Brussels, uh, I I, I spoke to my partner and, I don't know, in in conversation, she mentioned WALL-E. And I said, I've never seen it. Well, that changed. So I sat down and I watched Wally. Uh, and I will say, after 15 years, the film holds up remarkably well. And I was terrified, amused, and it gave me food for thought regarding the Earth uh, littered with satellites, just all of these satellites around. I'm wondering if you figured out that Wally was the cause of the whole thing. Whoa. Wow. Do I need to watch the film in reverse now? He mm-hmm. was the AI robot that destroyed the world. That's why he was so lonely. Thank you for that sidebar, Nick. <laughs> with that in mind, with the Earth covered in satellites, uh, I found it quite interesting that both of the panelists I spoke to, uh, Bianca and Vladimir, they, they, they are really quite focused on sustainability in space. And, you know, being a child of the 80s, I watched the spaceships go up and, and, and the rockets go up and, and basically anything that went up there stayed up there. And it was just jettisoned off into, well, it's space. It's huge. It's infinite. Right. No problem. It, it won't be an issue. Uh, but apparently, well, and, you know, and in Vladimir's opinion, it's not that big of an issue because space is kind of big. Uh, in Bianca's opinion, uh, she's thinking, like, why should we send stuff up into space if it doesn't work in the first place? So I would encourage you to go have a look at the at the space tech uh, panel that I. I talked about because, like I said, they did really stress sustainability in space, which, quite frankly, I hadn't really thought about too much. Um, Also, I I spoke about quantum computing. Well, I didn't speak. I spoke to a bunch of people who are way smarter than me about quantum computing. Uh, I'd love to say that I watched tons of episodes of Quantum Leap before heading to the summit, but I didn't. I watched them back in the 80s on this thing called Every Thursday Night. That is that's making a comeback, though, isn't it? Like we can't binge watch everything anymore. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it's so what has gone it's, around is now is now coming around again. Um, but I, I, you know, from that panel, I thought it was interesting that uh, each one of the the speakers they 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 pretty much agreed that the quantum dreams that we've been hearing about for years are actually here now. 
um, which I thought was kind of interesting because you know prior to the to the event, I, I did my research and the and the mythical number. Does anybody know the mythical number of qubits that need to exist for uh, like all hell to break loose? Three hundred. Stop looking at my show notes, Nick. <laughs> it's it's three hundred. Three hundred qubits. Uh, and when, when when quantum computers reach that level, uh, apparently quantum computers will be able to perform more calculations in a second than there are atoms in the universe. Just wrap your thoughts around that one for the rest of the afternoon. I highly encourage an alcoholic beverage to go along with that. It does make the thinking go a lot easier. All right. That that was it for me, for my panels. I thought they were awesome. I mean, I thought their moderator was incredible. Um, but believe it or not, there was actually news that happened this week. I do not know why the rest of the world didn't go on pause while the TechEU Summit was going on. But believe it or not, there was news that happened. Uh, and a story that I've been following casually, let's say, I mean, sli- with sli- casually with slight intensity. How about that? Uh, earlier this month, we brought out the story that Getir was in talks to acquire German competitor Flink, which would effectively give them a monopoly on the profitless, as yet, uh, get it to your door faster than you can sneeze delivery, uh, grocery delivery service. You'll remember Getir, they've already acquired Wheezy and Gorillas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but it would seem that Flink's fight is not yet uh, finished. How's that for alliteration? Because a report from Handelsblatt said that uh, Flink has come up with $150 million, with at least $50 million arriving from existing investors, including German supermarket giant Reva. Kate, do you do sharping? At, sharping? You're sharping. You're shopping at Reva? Are you a Reva? Are you a Reva? I remember Reva. Uh, And $30 million from U.S.-based delivery and takeout service DoorDash. Uh, The same reports reports, uh, cited that Flink's valuation is now down from an all-time high of $3 billion back in 21, which makes sense. You know, remember that whole live at the office thing that we did? Yeah, that was fun. Uh, But uh, Flink is now valued around a billion. And while the talks between Gatier and Flink have broken down, uh, according to the Handelsblatt report, Mubadala, uh, quote, remains interested, end quote, in seeing the two companies merged at some point, which as a mutual investor would make sense. So um, grocery market consolidation, it's a it's a it's a fun fact. It's happening. Um, and it should be interesting to see if Gatier actually does get this deal done. But obviously, Flink now with one hundred and fifty million in the bank to try to make it to profitability is at least going to give them a run for their money. Yeah, I, I can see heads shaking in the background <laughs> going, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Nick, talk to me about AI believing in miracles. I believe in miracles. No, oh, I, I can't believe you missed that, uh, uh, um, Dan. I, I just teed it up for you, buddy. It's what I, I do. Yeah, before we get to AI, um, I was also uh, with you uh, folks in the uh, at the TechEU Summit in Brussels. Um, and uh, I had a lot of fun and... In fact, in the morning, I spent most of my time watching the uh, the second stage, which was the uh, smaller of the two, I guess. And um, it felt really good to see so many different topics around sustainability and young people and lots of uh, ladies on the stage. So that was uh, uh, the highlight um, also came from there. And that was uh, the panel about sustainability at the source, a new era for European VCs. And... Um, I particularly like the perspectives that Elodie Broad from Balderton was talking about, about how they are going both upstream and downstream with uh, impact and sustainability. And in fact, thanks for the hat tip, Dan. Um, Balderton just published yesterday and sent out an email today, uh, an ESG guide for startups that uh, I have skim read. And it's pretty 
pretty comprehensive. So uh, I had mm. a lot of fun listening to that. And then uh, there was an ethical AI panel with David Meyer um, on the uh, main stage towards the end of the day that I really appreciated um, and kind of confirmed a lot of stuff we've been talking about here on the podcast over the last few weeks about how AI is is moving fast and we need lots of regulation, but also space to experiment for doing good things with AI. And that was kind of the key thread through their talk, which I guess leads me straight into what is the AI news this week, because it has not slowed down. Monday uh, started with a uh, fake news article of the Pentagon being blown up um, <laughs> with uh, AI-generated uh, images and I think video clip of that spreading quickly through social media. But of course, the public is not stupid. There were plenty of people uh, around the Pentagon going, well, I don't see any smoke or flames or explosions. I think everything's just fine. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how quickly the public is catching on to uh, this kind of uh, bullshit. And uh, the big news of the week, uh, NVIDIA, surprisingly enough, um, or, or oh, not yeah. if you've been paying attention. But uh, NVIDIA, of course, makes uh, graphics chip processing stuff. And uh, they've come out as, uh, as, a, as a shocking winner of the AI race. Uh, yesterday, their stock was up almost 25% at end-of-day trading, Whoa. adding just over <laughs> adding just over 200 billion with a B to their market cap. I mean, wow. it's incredible. If you look at their stock chart for yesterday, there is a vertical cliff up and to the right. Investors dream come true. Um, semiconductor shortage, what's semiconductor shortage? And this is on top of the fact that their share price has already doubled in the last year. And this came because oh. their current quarterly revenue is uh, estimated at 11 billion, which is 64% higher than last year. And uh, Wall Street only had them uh, estimated at seven billion for this quarter. If I'm going to mine Bitcoin, what what type of card would I want to use to do that? Probably an Nvidia. I Probably would guess. an Nvidia. I mean, I can't imagine where this profitability is coming from. Um, so if they hit this 11 billion quarter, it will be their highest quarter ever, and it will probably nudge their valuation to over a trillion. So they'll join the the trillion dollar boys club, um, putting them probably top five or six company on the planet all that because you know ai has exploded and uh, processing power is uh, incredibly useful for that kind of stuff other ai news this week microsoft had a ton of announcements again they are just not slowing down um i think the most notable was windows copilot so that mm. is uh, uh, a chat gtp type agent in your windows um environment that sits on top of everything else so uh, for developers and people like us, you can use it consistently across all of the apps and programs on Windows that you've got available. So think of it as your you know, general personal assistant. They're also bringing uh, chat GPT plugins, or rather Bing chat plugins, straight <laughs> to uh, your Windows environment. They are launching a Microsoft Store AI hub. So that's AI apps within the Microsoft Store. I didn't actually know there was a Microsoft App Store, but uh, there you go. And um, they're also it's doing smart... In. Yeah, they're also doing things like uh, AI-generated. Are they bringing back Clippy? Well, I oh. gave you that that lead. I wonder is this is this is this like a superpower Clippy? Is that not Clippy six point I mean, yeah. has Clippy just always been there and never gone away? It's just been bubbling below the surface. Maybe, mm. maybe. Mm. And um, they're also going to do a bunch of interesting stuff like AI-generated keywords within their uh, store. AI generate review summaries, and they launched a whole bunch of new developer tools of which I know nothing. 
Um, <laughs> OpenAI is uh, an ongoing story, of course, with Sam Altman not still doing stuff and publishing stuff about regulation and, and, and. But what I thought was interesting from them is they have now uh, started testing openly, sharing and calibration of your chat GT, GPT um, conversation. So you can uh, collaborate uh, remotely in one uh, conversation. That's something that there were quite a few indie developers providing services for, so I'm guessing they just got wiped out of the market. And then last but not least, anybody who thought uh, Photoshop was out of business because of generative AI probably wants to wake up. A couple of weeks ago, Adobe announced Firefly, their own generative AI tool. And this week, they've announced that they've embedded it directly into Photoshop. Their first uh, tool is Generative Fill, powered by Firefly. And uh, exactly as you expect, you uh, um, highlight an area within your picture and you type in some text of what you would like to be there or what you would like it to turn into. Weird black magic happens and uh, it's pretty much seamless and non-destructive. So, you know, Dan, good choice on your career move. And I can hereby confirm I have used the Adobe Generative AI uh, feature. And it works like a charm. This weekend, you will see my first result with it. Uh, it is uh, accompanying an op-ed that will run tomorrow afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, breaking news. Dan Taylor using generative AI photography tools. You know, if you can't join them, beat them. No, strike that, reverse will it. will be turning in her grave. Well, well, she's not dead yet, but, you know, but she's not getting any younger. I used to have that T-shirt. Well, thanks for that, Nick. Thanks for the update on the AI. Fiona, speaking of things just in, just back from Latitude. Yes, just in the door. So Just in the this door. <laughs> this will be um, – and I met a Justin today, actually. Um, but uh, this will be probably short and kind of sweet, I hope. Um, so my highlight panel was, of course, one that I was moderating at the um, conference, which is a diversity panel. So it was a really interesting conversation between Caroline Fireberger, Nora Beavy, and Marike Gertz. Um, Nora, um, she was saying that um, we're still we're just talking too much and we're not taking enough action. But I think that everybody feels like that when it comes to diversity. Um, the, the investment industry are are not listening and they're not acting and that it's time to move upstream and get the LPs and kind of the network on board. Um, Marike um, was following, saying that um, like where there is a disconnect uh, for females is there is no follow-on financing. So, um, you know, they're doing okay in the pre and seed rounds. Isn't it sweet that, you know, they get thrown a few coffers, but when it comes to real hard rounds, they're not getting any, like there's no follow-on financing for there. Uh, Nora was talking about um, the fact that founders should be more proactive and seeking out the investors who are already invested in diverse uh, focused companies um, just so they can reduce the chances of hearing no all the time and uh, Caroline and Marike were just talking about you know the fact that we need to support each other believe in each other uh, and get the right stakeholders together and Marike was on about um, looking for good role models you know they're few and far between when it comes to diversity obviously but um, yeah if you have good role models then hopefully that will 
increase your chances of developing a better attitude towards um, investing in diverse profiles. Um, as I said, I am just in the door from Latitude. I probably sound tired, but I am. Uh, but it was really good uh, at Latitude this morning. Of course, uh, names escape me, but I spoke to some really interesting um, startups, um, quite a few from the University of Tartu. So hopefully we can do something about them over the next couple of weeks. But that is it for me because that's all I got. And that's the news from Fiona Alston, ladies and gentlemen. I know Robin's got one more thing, and 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 there's a slowly becoming a feature of the show, which he's gonna kick in here. So, Robin, is is are we combining the two this week, or do you have a one more thing? What what is it? We're not, because I also want to talk about my favorite content on stage this week, which I haven't yet. And obviously, I, I didn't have time to follow a lot of the sessions, but it makes me very very anxious to to check out the videos as soon as they're processed, and I'm gonna watch each and every single. Uh, session, even the startups that were pitching on stage. So that's going to take me quite a while, but really, really looking forward to that. Uh, I had two, uh, I think, interesting fireside chats on stage. One with uh, Miki Kusi, who's co-founder and CEO of Walt, uh, raised about $800 million in venture funding today before the big acquisition. And then I also had an interesting chat with David Heinemeyer Hansen uh, from Basecamp and Hey.com, who was very anti-raising venture capital. Uh, so I think that was a nice juxtaposition because, uh, of course, he's the king of bootstrapping. Uh, he's written books about how you don't need venture capital and there's a different way to do things and to scale companies. Um, so I thought the the so the combination of the two and being able to interview both gentlemen on the same day on the same stage was quite an interesting experience for me. Well, all right. I mean, that's uh, that's your wrap up. Robin, take us home with a patented. And if you don't, I know Nick's got a few waiting in the wings because he dropped a few on me while we were having hamburgers. And I just thought, oh, my God, no. <laughs> I see him shaking no, so I'll deliver two for you. Oh, two. I'm ready for these. I had to uh, break up with my girlfriend the five years. I had to break up because she. I found out she was a communist. But I should have known. There were red flags everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's two jokes right no i got one more and this is relevant for everyone who came down to brussels did you know that the first french fries were not actually cooked in france or in belgium they were cooked in greece (laughs) that's good that. that was good I'm going to get us out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. That is all the time we have this week. As always, my name is Dan Taylor. Yours is not. I've been joined by Master of Ceremonies, Robin Vouters, also on bass, Nick Stevens on keyboard, Kate Lawrence on drums, and Fiona checking in from Talon, fresh off stage at Latitude on lead guitar. We are out of here. Out of here. Jesus. Oh, God.